This podcast is part of the Christian Geek Central Network at ChristianGeekCentral.com. Episode 361, Welcome to the Snyder Cut, the podcast that never was. Welcome to the Strangers and Aliens podcast. Strangers. <laughs> to boldly say what needs to be said. Would you be a stranger or an alien? Or would you be a strange alien? The truth is out there. Captain Kirk. Do you think that there's room in sci-fi for God? The very first thing that God did so was that he created something, so we have a creative God. This is Strangers and Aliens Podcast. Hello and welcome to another episode of Strangers and Aliens. I'm your host, Ben. Ben Avery, and I am here with a kind of special episode, kind of bittersweet episode. Uh, just to give you some context and some backstory, this is actually the pilot episode of a podcast that Evan and I thought about doing about the DCEU, specifically as it related to the Zack Snyder movies leading up to the Snyder Cut. And so what we decided to do is instead of doing that podcast, which I just, I just wasn't into it. I just wasn't feeling the whole Snyder thing. And so as excited as I was to do something kind of fun with Evan, um, the topic and the timing was just, just not right for me. And so we put it on the back burner and then took it off the burner. And so we had this pilot episode, though. We didn't want to let it sit and do nothing. And so we're going to play it here for you on this feed here on Strangers and Aliens. Next episode is going to be about the Snyder Cut of Justice League. And so that's one of the reasons why we're releasing this episode right now is because we wanted to tie into that. So this is kind of the beginning of that conversation. And then the next episode will be the end of that conversation. What would have happened in between? You know, we would have covered Man of Steel. We would have covered, uh, you know, all the different Snyder movies and, and different cuts of them and all that kind of thing. And also some other DCU stuff. But for now, this is the pilot episode for the podcast that never was. Welcome to the Snyder Cut. And yes, it is working with some of that branding that we have for Welcome to Level 7. And it would have been possibly part of a network thing. I, But it, it didn't happen. So as much fun as it would have been to be able to work on something like this with Evan, it just, again, timing, topic, weren't perfect. Uh, and so without any further ado, here it is. You're listening to Welcome to the Snyder Cut, the road to an unprecedented cinematic event.
Hello, welcome. My name is Ben, Ben Avery, and I'm here with my friend, Evan David, right over there. Hello. And we're not in the same room together, but we are in the same city, and we are here to talk about the Snyderverse, Snyder Vision uh, of the DC Universe. Yep. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. But in preparation to talk about the Snyder Cut or Zack Snyder's Justice League or Justice League, the director's cut, or whatever it's going to end up being called. But that's what we're here to talk about. Yes. We, <laughs> yes. That's the reason this podcast exists. And we found out about this thing happening and thought, you know what? There's some worthy conversations right there. There's some conversations yeah. worth having about this, this uh, very interesting development in in current film trending. I don't know... Yeah, I don't know exactly what this means for what's going to happen or if this is just a one-off thing or if this will end up, you know, creating a little bit of a trend, but well, it's a very interesting the question, thing. Then, do you like what's happening or don't you? Where the fans have petitioned and petitioned and petitioned and petitioned <laughs> and finally the people have given in, the people in charge of the movies and now they're releasing the Snyder Cut, which means they're finishing the Snyder Cut. Well, wow, so we're just uh, really diving into it right now, just right, right off the bat. We're, we're no preamble. Sure. Yeah. I mean, well, you, you are. I'm following your lead, so you can cut me off and do whatever you want. Well, but let, let's let's start by introducing ourselves. You know, okay. letting, letting people know if they if they're coming I, to this podcast because of the topic and not because they know us from our other podcasts, then. Then let's let's what? introduce ourselves. Ben, we have other podcasts. Uh, yeah, yeah, we do. Uh, probably uh, most relevant to this this uh, being the Welcome to Level Seven podcast, which is a podcast about the Marvel Cinematic Universe um, that came about because of Marvel's Agents of Shield. And similar to this, um, we found out about Marvel's Agents of Shield, and I contacted my friend Daniel and said, "Hey." there's something to do here. And so we decided we're going to cover everything in the Marvel cinematic universe, which got really big in the last two years. <laughs> yes. Or last, not even the last two years. I mean, it got big when Netflix jumped in, but it got bigger and bigger and yeah, expanded in, across networks and across platforms. And yeah. So that's one podcast. And you've been a part of that actually as a, indeed as a guest host. Um, but that's the Welcome to Level 7 podcast. But then, Evan, you and I specifically also host together Strangers and Aliens, a podcast about science fiction and faith and Christianity and fantasy and all that stuff. And that's that's been a lot of fun. That's the primary thing that you and I work on together uh, almost weekly. And yep, yep. Movie reviews, talk about books, we talk about sci-fi concepts. Um, so that's, that's that podcast. And... Then there's also a superhero uh, audio drama podcast that I'm a part of as a creator and you are a part of as a cast member, and that is Supersonic Pod Comics. Mm -hmm. And that follows uh, four different main titles, but there's a whole universe of characters. And yeah, that's, that's also a lot of fun. And that's one of my primary outlets of creativity right now is to be writing on that. Um, yeah. Uh, and you have a podcast that, that yes, you the, the oddball, 
of all these podcasts, which is also in the network that this is in and that uh, Welcome to Level 7. And it's Welcome to Mainframe, which is a podcast about one of my favorite animated series, Reboot, which is about uh, people who live inside the computer or the, the electrical impulses that live inside your computer, the programs. And it was the very first entirely CGI animated television show. Yeah, so that's kind of a broad overview uh, of our our podcast uh, output. But then let's talk about our fandoms, uh, Evan. Let's talk about what we're into. Obviously, I yeah. love the Marvel Cinematic Universe, uh, and people can probably guess that we both enjoy comic books and and movies and sci-fi TV shows. But um, I'm just going to quiz you real quick, Evan. Here we go, and then you can ask okay. me the All same right. questions or similar questions. All right. Uh, okay. What's your favorite? non-animated tv show oh my goodness that's <laughs> oh! let me refine it uh what is your favorite okay. <laughs> non-animated tv show that you've watched in the last year or so oh man uh i really like the lost in space show okay the new one yeah, on netflix that's good. i that's thought good. that was great i really enjoyed that too yeah yeah very good uh what is the last great comic book that you read oh man uh i really enjoyed uh there's so many because i read comic books every day but i really enjoyed superman smashes the clan which is superman versus the ku klux klan <laughs> it's a brand new comic book actually and it's a uh, uh it's for young adults it's a direct uh, original graphic novel set in the 30s i think very good very cool. All right. And what is the last good movie you saw in a theater? Mm. Not the last movie you saw in a theater, the last good movie you saw in a theater, because I know the last movie you saw in a theater you did not think was very good, which is Correct. actually a movie that was, that was directed tenet. by someone we're going to be talking about <laughs> in this episode. Yes. Man, I didn't like it. Hold on. I'm checking my list. Uh, we are on the app called Letterboxd. If you've ever heard of that, it is a way to log your movie watching and rank the movies and you can create custom lists and things. Um, last good movie I saw in the theater would probably be onward. Pixar's onward. Fair enough. All right. All right, Ben yeah. back at you. Last good movie you saw in the theater. Last good movie I saw in a theater was Bill and Ted face the music. And the theater experience was so much fun because it was at a small town theater, uh, which, by the way, unfortunately, is closed for the season because of road construction that just destroyed everything in front of it. But hopefully it'll be back. But that movie also made me cry. And I'm not ashamed to say it anymore. <laughs> Do note, I just said anymore, but I am not afraid, <laughs> ashamed to say it anymore. So, yeah. Nice. All right. Last good comic you read. Last good comic that I read is this is going to get a little bit odd, but it's Infinity Force, which is a, a, a manga series that takes a bunch of different. It's basically the Avengers of Japanese anime, um, but it's a manga comic as well. And it has Mark from G-Force or Gachaman as purists oh. might want to call it. But that was a foundational TV show for me when I was growing up. Uh, early on, Battle of the Planets was my favorite cartoon show in the entire universe. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Um, okay, and uh, Marvel or DC? Okay, I've got two answers for this. And so I'm going <laughs> to... my 
if I have to just lock down one, okay, I have to lock it down mm-hmm. and just say one or the other, completely binary. You're putting uh maybe not a gun to my head, but you're 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 threatening me menacingly with um I don't know some hot tea that you're gonna pour on my on my foot or something. But um <laughs> it would be Marvel. Okay. Oh Ben. But here's my other answer. My other answer is this when it comes to stories and characters and the way that they interact with the world, I would go with Marvel because most of the the fun stories I remember reading growing up and stories even later on in life, I remember um, the, those come from Marvel and those characters are more relatable to me because they are characters who are more like me. But when it comes to actual characters and, you know, so if someone were to ask me, you know, one of my favorite characters in DC is Superman. And one of my favorite characters in Marvel is Angel from the X-Men you know, if you're to say who's my favorite out of them, definitely Superman, you know, and, and Aquaman and Swamp Thing and like so many characters that are my favorite characters come from DC. And so for me, story edges out those iconic characters just a little bit enough for me to give the binary answer, answer of Marvel. But the longer answer is DC characters, Marvel stories. Hmm. So that's 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 Acceptable my answer. Acceptable answer. Acceptable answer. Or is it, listeners? Hey, let us know. We'll have an email address. I'm sure um, we don't as of this recording, but we will, and it will be in the end credits where you can contact us. So let us know. Yes, and I am DC all the way, all the way. Although I do really enjoy the Marvel Cinematic Universe, but I'm always going to be on Team DC. Well, here's the thing. I mean, it comes down to this, Evan. Good story is good story, right? Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. Um, unless there's something you really can't stand, for example, I thought about you last night, had a long day at work, came home and I was like, I'm just going to send the kids to bed. They can do whatever they want. They can read, do whatever they want. But I'm I'm going to just sit down and watch a movie that's just for me. And it was <laughs> Fistful of Dollars, which is a great incredible western and i was just thinking how Mm. yeah i would not be watching this with evan because you can't stand uh westerns uh, unless i cannot unless you put them in a spaceship and give them pew pew blasters instead of pow pow six guns but uh or there are literal aliens in the western like in cowboys and aliens which i have but have not seen uh you liked it Yes. Okay. Well, maybe we have a, a topic really for uh, for our strangers and aliens soon, but I haven't All watched right. it. Yeah. Okay. Cool. But anyway, generally speaking, though, a good story is a good story, unless there's something in it that's really going to distract you and make you not like it. So, a good Superman story is a good Superman story. I don't care how you cut it, you know. And and a good, uh, I'm trying to think of a good Deadpool story for me, though. I, I wouldn't be able to handle <laughs> because I can't stand that character. So it would distract me from the yes. goodness of it. You hate um, but I trust my friend Daniel when he says this would be a good story. You know, this is a good Deadpool story or whatever. Um, yeah. So the whole idea, though, of good stories, that's what we're we're here to talk about. Stories and characters and these DC characters and specifically how they're being used in a modern cinematic uh, landscape. But... This episode, we're going to take a look into the past. 
and we're going to take a look at what led to the the Snyder. I call it the Snyder verse because that's one one thing's been banded about. There's also they call it the DCEU, um, and then I also I think I mentioned that I called it the the Snyder vision for the DC universe, which is they gave the keys to the kingdom, basically to one guy to start this off. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And this whole thing started off with one man's vision. It didn't end with one man's vision, which is where we got the the Justice League movie. And, and not yet, a, anyway. Well, there was a lot of complaints about it, you know. And what happened to it? It got there was two visions, not to mention the the studio involvement and everything. Um, but now, potentially, we are going to be getting to see the end result of Zack Snyder's vision of this movie. And just to come back to your question, you were talking about, there's a part of me that does not like storytelling by committee. And there's another part of me that says, let the storyteller tell the story and then let the audience respond to it. And the audience response doesn't necessarily have to be change it because we don't like it. So make it what we want. And I understand that there is a whole uh, whole thing going on where, again, studio um, involvement and you know all all sorts of stuff that was going on with that. But for me, the whole give us the Snyder cut thing. What was the hashtag? Release the Snyder hashtag cut. Release the Snyder. Yeah, cut. release yes. the Snyder cut. Cut. That whole hashtag thing, I kind of looked at and was just kind of, uh, okay. And it was just a whole other part of, you know, su- uh, Star Wars fans demanding that the sequel trilogy be dumped completely and, mm-hmm. and redone completely, which is to be just soundly ridiculous. No one on the corporate level is ever going to do that except for maybe as a comic book. You know, like, yeah, Mm -hmm. because they did do the comic book of the Star Wars, which was based on Lucas's original script. And they also did a couple comics or like called the Infinities, which are basically what if kind of stories where it says, what if Luke did this instead? You know, and and those are neat and those are fun. Um, But for an entire fan base who say that they're fans to rise up and say, uh, we hate these movies, get rid of them we hate your face and we hate these characters and <laughs> well uh, that's star wars though i, I know think. i know i'm just it's saying that it was it was happening at the same time and so there's a part right. of it for me where i was just like uh whatever we're not going to get it it doesn't exist you know so it's not like you could just turn around and release a thing that doesn't exist and so that was another thing that kind of irritated me about that but now the conversation is different because this is not about something that doesn't exist. This is about creating something that doesn't exist and making it exist. And that's yeah. what makes it so interesting to me is just this whole idea of a uh, a director's vision and, a, and the director being allowed to revisit it and and be able to say, okay, this is what I intended to do. Now, the question will be, is it still – is it going to be good? You know, because there's always <laughs> yes. there's always the risk of we demand this, and then when it's given to you, it stinks. And now you have to decide <laughs> what do I do? I, I got what I wanted, but I kind of hate it. And it's like True. I have teenagers, 
and I can give my teenagers exactly what they were asking for and they can still find a way to complain about it. And so that's one of the things I'm a little interested to see. Are people going to complain about this even though they've been given the thing they were asking for? Well, just have to wait and see. But I'm very interested because of just the creative uh, the creative process that's going to go into this where he gets to go back, start not from scratch, but start from where he left off and finish it up. And we get to see his vision. And it actually is going to be even closer to his vision that would have been released because this is what, a four-episode miniseries? Yeah, four hours long. Yeah, yeah. This is going to be closer to what he would like anyway because it doesn't have to be cut down for a theatrical release. Yep. So I'm, I'm very curious about where this is going to go. And as a creator, you and I both are, are writers and, and creators. And so I'm, I'm very interested in, in just seeing how this all pans out. So I'll ask you then the same question. You know, you were not mm-hmm. someone who was out there, re- you know, spreading the hashtag release the Snyder Cut. But what do you think about this now? No, I was not. I was not on the bandwagon of activism, but I always was secretly rooting for it. <laughs> so it's like, yes, yes, release more things, <laughs> buy more billboards, rent more planes to fly, you know, the banner across the sky. Do it. <laughs> you know, I've always I was in the shadows, uh, cheering cheering for them. And um, <laughs> it reminds me of when. Uh, when we had my, my teenagers were toddlers and they shared a room and, and one kid just kept getting out of bed, kept getting, crawling out of her crib. And then we stood outside the door and I just heard my daughter, she was getting ready to do it again. And my son, who was a year older than her, this is when they were like three and two. And we just heard my son say, do it, just do it. <laughs> and and just whispering her to egg her on to get out of bed. We're standing outside the door trying not to laugh because we're angry because she keeps getting out of bed. But and she did it. She got out of bed. Mm. Anyway, so you're in the shadows. <laughs> yes, the shadows cheering them on. I I wouldn't say like orchestrating things like Palpatine, but I didn't know orchestrating. Um and, uh, you know, I, I always thought, you know, like a, a director's cut is not an unreasonable request by a fandom, you know, especially under the circumstances of, you know, what all went on behind the scenes with, with all the directors and the, the executives and whatnot. So I was always like, you know, this if it is if it is there, if you have the stuff to make it happen, I don't feel like this is an unreasonable request. But now they're going above and beyond what I thought they were going to do because what they've got $30 million or, or something like that. Maybe, maybe more than that to not only assemble the cut, but to, to do all oh, yeah. sorts of visual effects and to bring the actors back in to do more recording, at least audio recording for voiceover stuff. So crazy. So cool. And, and, you know, no one's talking about this necessarily, but it even has potential to spin off into, more future stuff in the DC universe from Zack Snyder. I think Um, they just signed uh, today. I heard they just signed Henry Cavill on for three more movies officially. So that's pretty cool. Um, So yeah, I I was always a fan of this. Um, I I like director's cuts. I think uh, I always, I enjoy the director's cut more usually. 
I, I enjoy the Batman v Superman director's cut more, the ultimate edition or whatever. Um, which I haven't seen by the Lang- way. Oh, it's, it's, I think it's much better. I think it helps the story, uh, flow and make more sense and, and give Superman a lot more motivation for what he's doing in the story. So I will get to that. And Superman. Yeah, yeah, we'll get to yeah. it. We'll get to it. We'll get there. So, so yeah, I'm a fan. I'm a fan and I'm looking forward to this. I've been looking forward to it. I've been, uh, a secret, uh, conspirator all along. And, and now that the winds have changed in my favor, I'm coming out of the shadows like the brave <laughs> man I am. And I'm coming into it <laughs> again, fully admitting, just like I fully admit Bill and Ted made me cry with this one. I fully admit, I just thought it wouldn't happen. I thought if it did happen to be dumb because it would just be animatics or, or whatever, because there wasn't a director's cut to release when people were clamoring for it. And instead, like you said, there this is so much bigger than that. This is so much bigger than what is typically a director's cut, because what is typically a director's cut is a director sitting down and getting to put scenes back in that he cut out for the theatrical release. And so there's some famous director's cuts out there, but one of them being um, Brazil by Terry Gilliam and and just how there was so much. Uh, stuff going on behind the scenes with that where the studio just cut it down and gutted his movie uh, to the point where he actually did a special showing with press with his original cut and and allowed the press to to see that and and that actually created a stir and and eventually you got released what was one of my top five movies of all time is <laughs> is the Brazil uh, cut that, that he he did. Uh, but the DVD set that I have is fascinating because it has three different cuts of the movie. And one of them is the studio cut where they actually stop the movie at the end of act two because it looks like a happy ending. And so they <laughs> just chop it right there. And you don't even get really act three, so to speak, where wow. where all the things happen, where you find out the, the movie does not have a happy ending. And that was part of the problem for the studio. But it's a fantastic movie. I love that movie so much. It's near and dear to my heart. I've got that special Criterion edition that has all three versions of it. But there's also a book called Battle of Brazil. And and again, this is kind of getting into why I'm so excited about this Snyder cut here is because I love those kinds of things where you get to see what's going on behind the scenes and you get to see what is the creative process and what is the, you know, the corporate process and how does creativity and commerce, how do they mix together? Um, because they wouldn't be doing this if this wasn't a win for the studio as well. And the studio has said, we're going to be able to make money off of this. And I'm not sure how much of this also comes out of, hey, uh, we can't film things because of (laughs) COVID. But what if we were able to find something that we don't have to film? Um, And this this would be kind of one of that as well, where... It's 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 there for them and they're going to create special effects, but they aren't going to necessarily have to re reshoot much. And yeah, I'm just I'm I'm so curious. Side note about covid stuff. I am. I thought about this the other day. I'm surprised there hasn't been a massive animation explosion. I you know, (laughs) I agree. Yeah, no, you're you're right. Um, I'm actually very surprised because that's something now there has been a, a mini explosion in puppeteering. Uh, the, oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. So the, the Henson company has been able to ship puppets and green screen uh, screens <laughs> and, and uh, 
to Puppeteers, and they've been able to do uh, a relaunch of Fraggle Rock and <laughs> some other puppet things like that where they don't have to be in the same place because it's puppets, you know, and it's green That's... screen. And it's it's really interesting. It, it, I wouldn't call it a renaissance, but it is a mini a mini explosion, a little little pop, maybe a puppet. Nice. <laughs> All right. Well, let's dive in here. We are discussing today on this episode the f- DC films that led up to the beginning of Zack Snyder's run on the DC movie universe. Yes. So we're not going to start in 1941, though. Because, yeah, no, uh, because there were obviously the the serials that were on uh, in in the in this on the silver screen, um, which just quickly, I'll say, if you love that kind of thing, they're the best. I love Captain Marvel, the the serial. I don't know if you've seen it or not. No, I love it. I was I was not. It's not I great. Not watch any of I've not watched any of the live action serials, but I love the Fleischer Superman. Um, oh yeah, I well, there's a lot to love the there. Yeah, yes. Uh, I'll just say Captain Marvel has some really good flying effects, considering the practicality of what they are. They didn't animate the flying like they did in some Superman stuff. Uh, they right. actually strung up dummies, you know, and, and zipped them across the sky and over the like over the parking lot of the, the studio, you know, but with the clouds in the background. And um, there's also a moment where he like just straight up picks up a machine gun and just starts killing people and, and that kind of thing. But, uh, nice. but it's good uh, <laughs> uh, outside of that. So um, and the Batman and the Superman serials also, they're they're good stuff. But. Those are just things that were kind of keeping Superman alive in front of uh, the audience. I mean, the comic books at that time were selling in the millions, not that it needed to be kept alive on the screen, but it was just one more way of, of doing that. You also had the radio stuff going on as well. Um, but no, we're going to start in 1970s, 1978 to be exact. Um, and I was there. I was there. I was in the theater. Yeah. No, I, I have a more vivid memory of my dad uh, and I in the living room uh, and the commercial for Superman, the movie came out on the TV and my dad said, you want to see that? And I was so excited. I don't, I, I don't remember the theater experience that much, but I do remember Mm -hmm. that moment where my dad told me we were going to go see it. And we went and saw it with the members of the, the group home that my dad ran. Um, this is when we were living in, in Canada and, um, yeah, but I got to go with my dad, uh, and Christopher Reeve, Superman. I, I'm just going to say it. This is one of, if not the greatest superhero movie ever made. It is very good. It's, I, uh, I didn't know these movies existed until I was like 10 and I went to the library and found them. Um, cause my Superman was the Bruce Tim animated show, uh, which I just, I was glued to the set every Saturday and we taped them all <laughs> and just watched them over and over again. Uh, but yeah, when the, when the classic Reeves Superman theme song came on, I'm like, this isn't the Superman theme song. <laughs> this is some, this is some lame copycat theme song. Oh, ouch. Uh, Oh, no. I was thinking I was like 10 years old. This is a lame Superman copycat theme song. They're they're messing up the good one from the animated show. (laughs) 
<laughs> and it was the exact opposite. Oh, yeah. In reality. <laughs> <laughs> That's a painful story. But yes, well, I've since changed my tune. I still <laughs> like I still like the animated song, but the the movie one is much better and it's I mean it's John Williams, it's classic and I've since come to really love uh these movies, especially uh th- this this Superman the movie is my second favorite one of these four films. Yeah, I know. Well, uh... <laughs> <laughs> so, I guess if I could admit that I uh Cry to Bill and Ted. I guess you can admit this. Not that you have any yes. trouble admitting this, but no, I don't. Because <laughs> Superman three is my absolute favorite of the, the original Christopher Reeve. Please movies. don't turn off the podcast, people. Please, I love it so much. <laughs> I, I promise you, Evan has valid opinions that matter, but this one just kills me. <laughs> <laughs> And I think it really is because of my the time that I was brought up in and and when seeing these movies, because I think you look at them and you still see everything as like these are serious cinema. Um, Uh, Yes and no. Some of it. I don't hate Superman three. Let me tell you that. I mean, I don't hate Superman three. There are some incredible, brilliant moments in that movie. None of them have anything to do with Richard Pryor, though. I'm just going to throw that out there. <laughs> and I know that you just love, I the love Richard Pryor in that movie. <laughs> I do. Yeah. Cause I, I, I see all those movies as semi campy anyway, even when they're trying not to be, um, just, I just, that's just how I see him. And I see and Superman three just leans into it and it leans into it with excellence. Unlike number four, yeah, um, but I, which I, I, I think I don't feel like, I don't feel like number four is leaning into, uh, anything with excellence but yeah um, i know yeah uh, i know it, the, the, it, it's trying to course correct as well and i just i just think number three it it nails it because you still have all of the the great effects and the action that you get with the other ones but uh, there's a lot more humor um i think uh, this might have something to do that i think annette o'toole is much prettier than <laughs> margo kidder <laughs> and, <laughs> as superman's love interest um and I'm, I'm just not a big fan of her as Lois Lane. So that might have something to do with it, too. Here's the thing. I, I agree with you, though. Superman and Superman 2, they they have their camp moments. The difference is um, the camp occurs, and but the movie's still earnest. You know, and, and Christopher Reeve just takes it seriously and says, okay, what if this guy was real? I'm going to play this part as if this is a real thing. And and he nails it. You know, there's there's some people who just embody the character that they they are and if you're looking at like superhero movies i would say christopher reeve for me is the embodiment of superman um just because partially because of my age in seeing it you know and and so for me to see him on the big screen when i'm super impressionable very young just just four years old you know um uh gal gadot with Wonder Woman is another one who just embodies it. Uh, Chris Evans with Captain yep. America is another one where you just, they take these things where you're, you're like, you could really fail. <laughs> and, and that's really the biggest thing is, you know, Chris Evans in Captain America could have seriously just fallen on his face and it, it could have just knocked the MCU out without even their opportunity to really get there, you know? Um, but even as he's playing Captain America, and putting on the red, white, and blue and all that stuff, you believe in him. And and Gal Gadot, where she's, 
it's Wonder Woman and what's it going to be? We don't know. And then all of a sudden you realize, no, she's it. Like she is Wonder yeah. Woman. And, and mm-hmm. that's the way it was with, with me, with Christopher Reeve, where he just embodied it. You, he put on that suit and you could tell it mattered to him, you know, and, and he played Clark Kent. Uh, the best part of the, about the campiness of Clark Kent is that's on purpose. You know, yeah, when I yeah. say that's on purpose, I mean, that's, that's Kal-El in the story choosing to play what he believes uh, a human being to be in some ways, you know, like he's, this is him pretending to be human. And, and he does, it's just, it's just fantastic and wonderful. And Superman three has uh, some of my favorite cinematic superhero stuff ever, especially that junkyard fight where it just, we hadn't seen anything like that. I remember my cousin telling me, talking to me about this and, and just, he's like, this is so amazing, you know, and it's evil Superman. And he, and you're just trying to like wrap your head around this thing. Again, we're kids, you know, and we yeah. hadn't seen anything that's like this. That's my, uh, but that's my least favorite part of the movie. I know. I know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I, I like the three stooges opening, <laughs> I, which <laughs> that's my absolute least favorite. It's like, okay, Hey, and you call it, you call that out right perfectly for me. It's the three stooges, you know, it is, Hey, let's have, we, we had these two movies that just embraced heroism and let's start this one out with clown shoes. You know, let's just, <laughs> the guy almost drowns in his car in the middle in of the street. his car. That's not how it works. <laughs> That's not how it works. I love it. <laughs> Uh, but I do, I do, I agree with you 100% on Christopher Reeve's portrayal on Superman. And I love just the iconic moments that you have, like Superman's interview with Lois Lane and, uh, you know, his first meeting with Lex Luthor. I, even though Gene Hackman's Lex Luthor is not my favorite portrayal of Lex Luthor, I still really enjoy it. He's still, uh, very menacing and, and very good in the role. And, uh, and yeah, there's just, there's a lot, there's just so, there's so much good stuff in there. Superman two is okay for me. Uh, that would be my third favorite one. Uh, I mean, but, but, uh, Terrence stamp nails Zod and it's just, he's just so menacing. And I mean, it's not, it's not the, uh, necessarily the military man that we see in the modern comics or the, or the new movie, but uh, he's just cold and callous and evil. And it's great. Well, and again, as a kid, especially watching it and saying, how is Superman going to get out of this? Because there's three people, you know, and the yeah. the whole movie, honestly, up until the very end is great. And it, again, one of the, but then you get to the ending and it, it, what does it for me is, is the cellophane S. <laughs> And he's like, wait, what, what? Um, but I do love the the turnaround, you know, and, and the whole twist where he's like going to step into the machine that takes his powers away, but he reversed it. You know, there's some really cool stuff there. And, um, and again, you have to remember like, this is the baby steps of blockbuster superhero movies. Yep. yep. And, and also, well, I mean, they just invented all the technology to make it happen. All yeah, the visual yeah. Well, that's the other thing. I mean, so many things in those late seventies, early eighties, um, where, you know, star Wars was just inventing technology as they went along. Cause it's like, we want to do this and we can't, 
but we're not going to let you say we can't, you know, because we're going to, we're going to make it happen. And the same with Superman and the flying effects. And I mean, they, they hung so much on that the flying effect where it, the tagline, you'll believe a man can fly. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's, and it was, it was true, made lots of money. And this is the beginning of, of just that superhero blockbuster. Now, it's also in some small ways, the beginning of a cinematic universe because Superman, Superman two, Superman three in between Superman three and Superman four was Supergirl, which mm. was canon with the other four movies. Um, at one point they, they had hoped to get Christopher Reeve as a cameo. Uh, the best they could get was a poster on, um, on uh, Supergirl's wall in her dorm room, uh, which when she looked at it, you, you got a little echo of the, the John Williams theme. Um, by the way, music geeks, um, if you ever wondered what, what it would be like for Jerry Goldsmith to score a Superman movie, this is it. He scored Supergirl and it is wonderful. It's not as good as, as some of the other J- uh, Jerry Goldsmith scores. Also not as good as the John Williams scores for Superman, but it is really good. I use it for writing uh, when I'm writing superheroes uh, often. So, nice. yeah. Uh, anyway, expansion, new character, um, broadening the the canon, broadening the, the universe. And uh, it's not a great movie. <laughs> I've never seen it. Um, and Superman, Superman is my favorite, not only my favorite comic book character, he's my favorite fictional character, period. And I still haven't seen Supergirl. <laughs> so I, I, I almost don't even want to say like, oh, you should just to see it, you know, just I it's it's long. It's got a lot let of me, me- let me save you. Yeah, I'm not gonna. I No, no, I, I I'm not going to say it. Um <laughs> The big climactic scene is is this uh, small town that they built um, that gets destroyed by a bulldozer. I mean, it's just kind of like it's wow. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's it, it, they do dive into um, and this broadens the the universe a little bit. Like I said, because uh, a lot of all of Superman was just science. You know, and so Superman goes up against Lex Luthor, who clones him, you know, goes up against Lex Luthor, who has the nuclear bombs, you know, goes up against, um, what's his name? Uh, No, well, Zod too, but, um, in Superman three goes up against, uh, Richard Pryor and his boss on top of his skyscraper, Um, but they have the giant computer, you know, but in Supergirl, it's magic and they, so in the universe of Christopher Reeve Superman, um, you have the magic exists and, and there are these extra dimensional things going on and um, it broadens it. And again, this is cinematic universe, baby steps, baby steps. The other uh, DC thing is happening at the same time as Superman is Swamp Thing. <laughs> And then Return of Swamp Thing in 1989. The biggest superhero movie of 1989. Return of Swamp Thing. Except for the other big superhero movie in 1989. Yes, Batman. Yeah. With Michael Keaton. But can we pause just one brief second? Sure. Listeners, listeners, 
I love Swamp Thing. He's one of my favorite characters. These movies are not good, but they exist. <laughs> and so I did want to take a few moments just to park and say, these are two movies based on DC comics that exist. Nice. Okay. Back to 1989 with Batman. <laughs> yes. And, uh, I mean, some people, yeah, you yeah, your DC fans. Some people think, Oh, Superman's the King of DC or uh, some people think Batman's the King of DC. I think it's Superman, but there's no denying that Batman is extremely popular and this movie did extremely well. And it's a response to the crazy changes in comic books where everything was getting darker. Thanks to Frank Miller and others. Um, and, I mean, they took the only other Batman in the the public consciousness really at the time uh, was the 1966 Batman show, which is super campy. And this is again, it's taking a character and saying, "No, we're doing it serious." And uh, we got Tim Burton doing it, and Michael Keaton did great as the character. And we had Jack Nicholson to play the Joker. Crazy. Yeah, this movie was huge. I mean, obviously made a lot of money. Um, Again, uh, 1989, it hit at a really interesting time for me. I, was, I would have been 13. And, and so this, this kind of hit in my teen years where I wanted to be a little more dark. And I wanted to have a little more, I don't know, darkness meant mature, I guess, in some ways. But um, <laughs> this movie was a movie watched over and over again. Um, I didn't see it in the theaters. But uh, I knew about it because it was everywhere, everywhere. You know, everyone was wearing the Batman T-shirts. And yeah, my dad had it. Yeah, yeah. And and the Batman posters that were on the theaters, you know, it didn't even say the, the word Batman. It just had the bat symbol and the date. You know, this yep. was a huge, huge cinematic thing. Um, yeah. And, and to bring in Tim Burton, who is one of those directors where – you know, he, he's just known for the, that Gothic style. Um, and in a lot of ways, this movie just had the director's fingerprints all over it in, in ways that, um, I don't know. I, I don't think it would have been allowed, um, at a, at a different time, but they, this just was one of those lighting in a bottle moments where the right time, the right guy, and then just this explosion um, of, of popularity. And, you know, I, I rewatched it recently and it doesn't, it doesn't hold me as much. It doesn't hold yeah. up as much for me. Uh, I actually think I like Batman returns more than, than Batman. Um, I am in agreement with you. Uh, I, yeah, it, it doesn't hold up as much for me. I, uh, I mean, I watched it a, a few times as a kid, but then more as a teenager and as an adult. And the last time I watched it, I was like, oh, it's, it's good. The, the best parts are the parts with Michael Keaton in the Batsuit, which is surprisingly not that much of the movie. <laughs> you know, I was just going to say, though, I actually really liked Michael Keaton as when, when he's doing the Bruce Wayne thing. Yes, me too. You know, I he just me. I don't know. There's something about the way he plays the character and he's always kind of got this manic thing going on where, you know, he's just about ready to explode. Usually he doesn't explode, you know? And so you have the Mr. Mom thing, you know, where, and, and that was a big deal, you know, like what they got Mr. Mom to play the dark Knight uh, or whatever. But, um, but yeah, he, he's just, he's on the verge, you know? And, and that's what makes him a great villain in Spider-Man homecoming. 
is yeah. mm-hmm. he's just on the verge where you're like, he could do anything right now. Like he could just lash out. I love the scene in the uh, Vicky's apartment where he yeah. grabs the, grabs the, the fire, the fire poker, poker. He's like, you want to get nuts? <laughs> Let's get nuts. And, and it's just kind of, okay. And he's playing the part, you know? Um, but uh, yeah, I, they, they're good. They're good, but they're just, they just don't hold me as much. Uh, Batman returns because of the absurdity. Wait, wait, before what? we get to Batman returns. Okay. Something important happened after Batman came out. The cartoon? No. Oh, because that was also important. Yes, but I was talking about my birth. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, sure, yeah, okay. Uh. <laughs> so after Batman came out, I lived. <laughs> and then, and then yes, the cartoon series and yeah. the Mask of the Phantasm movie. Yeah, and Batman Returns. Uh, I like watching that one more just because it's so much more absurd. Yes, well, and, that one, they're like, hey, weird. Tim Burton, you did a great job on the first one. Let's just give you free reign. And then after the movie came out, they're like, never no, mind. No, never again. Yeah. <laughs> going to do that. <laughs> hey, remember, remember that TV show about Batman that people really, really liked? Yeah, they remember that show, too. And we don't want them to remember Batman Returns right now. So let's get closer to that. And they kind of did uh, with Batman, oh, with Batman, Batman Forever. Forever. Mm. I actually met uh, two of the writers on that movie. Um, oh, cool. Yeah, yeah. And, and had them heard them talk about um, what, what they were doing when they were writing it and why they chose um, why they chose to basically have him uh, confront his childhood demons and defeat his childhood demons. Um, but uh, yeah, they I, I, I'm not sure that they knew how much people didn't like the movie but <laughs> the writers yeah yeah <laughs> uh but then you get batman and robin which is just straight uh, up hey we're back to adam west and let's get george clooney <laughs> why because he'd make a great batman or bruce wayne no because he's george clooney no you know what okay though but i was so pumped for this movie when it came out <laughs> like what what year to come out 1997 uh, seven yeah the year i got married yeah yeah, so I was seven, and uh, yeah, I was just so into it because Mister Freeze is my favorite Batman villain. So I was like, "Oh yes, it's gonna be so cool!" And I actually really liked how George Clooney played the character. Um, I thought he had a he has got a great Batman voice. He did a great Bruce Wayne. It's he was just, just unfortunately stuck in this movie. Yes, because um, <laughs> but <laughs> when you watch this movie. And say to yourself, this is a remake of the Adam West TV show. It's great. It works so much better and goes down so much easier. Uh, The same with Batman Forever, but Batman and Robin is the one where it embraces that. And and when you say to yourself, that's what this is. I mean, they've they've got Batgirl, you know, I mean, this is Mm -hmm. um, which TV show had Batgirl. And it just once you once you let yourself go with that, it's better. It's it's. It's like if you let yourself go with Superman three, <laughs> because you're it's a clown car with three stooges, then it, it works a lot better. Um, but the same thing here, the puns, yeah, they're Schwarzenegger puns, so it comes nicely in that the Schwarzenegger movie arena. But it also, in some ways, is is just a lot like that the Adam West Batman, and 
So I, yeah, I, I, I begged my it. dad to let me watch it and he's like, okay, but he made me leave the room at certain parts. Like when the, the skull neon graffiti guys are there, he thought those were too scary. So he, he made me leave the room for that. And like pretty much every time poison Ivy was on yeah. the screen, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I was just so pumped to see that. Okay. So those are the big movies where, I mean, you can say Batman and Robin wasn't great, but let's look at the box office for that thing. All right. Um, budget 160 million box office, 238 million. Mm. So people went and saw this movie. Uh, some people multiple times. I didn't see it multiple times in the theater, but I did see it a couple times. Um, now every time though. Okay. So Batman forever, Budget 100 million, according to Wikipedia. Box office, 336 million. Wow. I mean, that is a lot of money, especially back then. Um, the first Batman, though, budget 35 million. <laughs> and this is why they gave him the keys and said, take the car, do whatever you want with it. <laughs> yeah. Budget of 35 million, box office of 411 million dollars yeah <laughs> uh batman returns budget of the uh, the higher number is 80 million but box office of 280 million so i mean every <laughs> every time the returns are are smaller you know you're not making as much money on on your investment on return but there's still a lot of investment return on this and yeah so there's reasons why they keep coming back to this they want that sweet sweet batman movie money <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um but you know what else happened in 1997 <laughs> two nails in the dc movie coffin in 1997 oh steel <laughs> <laughs> steel with shaquille o'neal yeah okay so this one <laughs> you want to talk box office <laughs> 16 million. Now, these other movies have been doubling, tripling, and and tenfolding their money. Um, $16 million budget box office. Are you ready? <laughs> One, yep. 1.7 million. Oh, man. 10%. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I never remember <laughs> seeing a commercial for this. Oh, I, I do. Never, I do. Uh, <laughs> I don't, and I, you know, and I never <laughs> saw the poster up in the movie theater. We went all the time. I did, however, buy two toys from this movie. Um, so there's that. <laughs> I just want to throw out there, though. Um, this is one of the few trivia facts that I know about this movie. The writer was Kenneth Johnson, and he and he wrote and directed this. And the only reason I know that is because, um. He was a guy who wrote for the Incredible Hulk TV show. He wrote for the Bionic Woman TV show, and he created the Alienation TV show. Uh, and so this is a guy I really respect. This guy, uh, he and say what you will about episodic television and superhero television back in the the late seventies, early eighties. Uh, but Alienation um, was that it was, a, it was one of those smash up things. You know, it's it's a cop show a buddy cop show and one of the buddies is an alien 
and and it's all you know Los Angeles after this alien spa- spaceship crashed to Earth, and suddenly Los Angeles has an influx of a couple million uh, aliens to the population, and it's it's a really really good uh, show. I really liked it, and anyway, he also made this movie. <laughs> it's it's cheesy and i seen it once and you know i might watch it again on a dare but okay so 1997 is batman and robin and steel the next year that we get a dc movie seven years later and it's catwoman <laughs> which while it's not oh, the same catwoman man. from batman returns uh suggests that it actually still is part of the Burton verse uh, based Ugh. on some pictures that you see and this kind of, uh, oh, what, do you, what would you call it? Mythology, I guess, about the Catwoman. Um, the idea is that this is just someone else who has become this legacy of the Catwoman. Did mm. you see the Catwoman? Yes. <laughs> Yes, I did. Not in theaters. I hate the yes, fact I that I it. own this movie. Oh, <laughs> uh, why do you own it? I bought oh, it man. when we were doing a retrospective of the Batman movies uh, way mm. back when in the early days of, of Strangers and Aliens. And I bought it as part of the box set. It's not in the box set, but I bought the box set of the Batman movies. And so I bought Catwoman to go with that box set. And I still have it. Mm. Yeah, I mean the the villain is an evil makeup corporation. That's not terrible though. Like there's that. No, no, no. There's some things that could be done with that that could make it work. Especially with what they were trying to say about, you know, society and that it's just that it's terrible. <laughs> so yeah, it doesn't it's- work pretty much nothing to do with the DC comics character Catwoman. Mm, there's some a cat motif to her outfit. Yeah. She steals yeah, things. She does she steal things? I think she does when she becomes Catwoman. I, I'm really trying to remember, but I'm pretty sure. I don't remember. Okay. Catwoman doesn't have superpowers though. Hey, let's let's look at the box office on this one. They were trying to get some of that sweet, sweet Batman movie money. Budget of 100 million, not as bad as Steel because their box office was only 82 million. Mm. <laughs> yep. All right, we spent enough time on Catwoman. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, again, cinematic universe. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Echoes. <laughs> Problem is, none of these strands, you know, your, your Christopher Reeve. And and your um, Tim Burton, like they don't intermingle, which that was something we talked about back then. Like, what if? What if they did a movie with Christopher Reeve and Michael Keaton? Well, George Clooney mentioned Superman. He mentions in, Metropolis. No, in Batman and Robin, he says this is why Superman works alone. Oh, you're right. Because you're right. Robin's bragging about his bike. It was Batman Forever where we were so excited because Val Kilmer said, they'll hear you all the way in Metropolis. Mm. That was exciting. 
Yeah. But that doesn't mean it's the same. It doesn't mean he's talking about Christopher Reeve. You know, he's talking about Nicolas Cage. And why not? Because that's someone worth talking about. <laughs> Maybe that's our uh, April 1st episode that we do. If we if we get to that, we, we get sure. to talk about that. That uh, what, what was it called? Whatever happened to Superman or what they call that documentary? Oh, uh, what ha- uh, sup- the death of Superman lives? What happened? Yeah, that was so good. The documentary yeah. was so good, man. Was yes. that good? And then, have you seen have you seen the Fantastic Four one that they did about the? I Quorum started Fantastic watching Four? it. I just wasn't interested. Oh, I like that too. But again, I I like that behind the scenes stuff, you know. And um, there there's actually a really interesting subset of of movie documentaries that are about movies that never happened, and and I I love that. It's sad. Um. I mean, I may not have loved the movie that that was done, but, um, but it's, it's sad to see all this creative energy go into something and, and no result. Yeah. Uh, I guess worth mentioning is Constantine in 2005, the next year. I've not seen this. I was really excited about this. Actually. I never saw it either. Um, because it was a cool, like angels and demons movie. Uh, I had no idea it was a DC Comics thing. It made money, though. It doubled the budget. <laughs> so that was good for them. But that's also 2005, then, is the year of Batman Begins. And so this is kind of we're getting into this, the era before the era. Um, because we have Batman Begins. Uh, we have The Dark Knight. Well, this is the birth of the modern Superman, the super, the modern superhero movie. Because this is a, around the ex- exact same time as... Iron Man kicks off the MCU. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so this is where (laughs) there's a lot of money to be had and Iron Man makes lots of money. Batman begins, makes lots of money. Um, they sunk a lot of money into it. Budget 150 box office, 375. And so that's, that's a decent return. Great reviews. Um, the next year we have Superman returns, which this is where it, starts to get into some of the territory that we're going to be talking about, I think with, um, with this justice league, uh, director's cut, because you have a starting point, a single starting point in Superman, the movie with Christopher Reeve, but you have two cannons that come out of it now because Superman, Superman two, Superman returns ignores three and four. Yep. Yep. And, and actually in the movie, they make it impossible for three and four to have happened because of things that they say about what he did after, after the second movie. But you have two strands and this could have been the beginning of a whole nother canon. And it would have been interesting to see what happens, but it's the same kind of thing with justice league, uh, with the Snyder cut, because it's going to have things happen in it that are going to mean that everything that happened after justice league can't work with the Snyder cut. At least as far as or I understand can it. it. Well, yeah, maybe. <laughs> um, yeah. So, but Superman returns, I was there in the theater. <laughs> I was also there opening night. I was there opening night. <laughs> um, excited, but nervous, not sure what I'm going to be getting into. Um, and pleasantly surprised. Pleasantly surprised. Yes. 
I really enjoyed it. Um, this Superman Returns is the single movie that I have invested m- my most the most time and fandom into. Like I was I was there for every release of any obscure promotional like image like here's the banner for the metropolis uh street lamps <gasps> i was there i had it saved it on my computer uh, <laughs> you know, uh all of the green screen maps for superman where they use it for promotional images like on cereal boxes and stuff i had them i saved the captain crunch superman box i still i still have the front of that thing uh <laughs> yeah it, like, i spent all my times on the forums and listened to the podcasts and watch the video blogs. I was so into it. <laughs> and it's, it's never quite reached that level of obsession again, which is probably a good thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That sounds like a lot of investment into something that was good. <laughs> it was okay. Yeah. <laughs> it was solidly okay. Um, Brennan Routh, is that, is that how you say his name? Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He embodied the Christopher Reeve, uh, Superman, and Clark Kent. Um, yes, he was very good. Uh, I can't remember who played Lois Lane, but I liked her a lot Kate better. Kate Mar- A lot better than Margot Kidder. Yep, um, yep. And uh, Kevin, Kevin Spacey, Spacey Lex Luthor. Decent. Uh, he was doing a very good Gene Hackman. Um, and there were some moments where I it was it was fun, and I really enjoyed some of the moments. Um, I was actually a little sore at the movie because. They're the reason that Cyclops died so stupidly in X3. Um, <laughs> but that's one of the f- problems I have with X3. You know, that's that's one of the least of them. <laughs> but uh, And I was sitting in the seat thinking, we won. We got the actor. For this? Like, that's, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it wasn't a great role. But, yeah, yeah, like, but, that's, uh, that's the whole still. Be- be- Okay. Uh, <laughs> victory <laughs> first of all for this and second of all him like this yeah. this he's our victory okay. a, made, a made up character that no one's ever heard of before. yeah you want to you want to you want to win if superman returns could have gotten patrick stewart that would have been a win like, yeah that would have been a, a major victory patrick stewart is likely their ha yeah yeah oh man that would have been interesting that'd be interesting I think it would have been weird <laughs> Could have done it though. Um, I mean, he's bald. Yeah, yeah. yeah no, that's all that counts. Yeah. Um. So all right. <laughs> so you had this kind of late seventies through the eighties, and then you know into the nineties, where you have this kind of spread out thing with the superheroes, DC superheroes, uh, Marvel. By the way, on the big screen, it, it, just dumb. <laughs> I mean, it's. <laughs> It's Captain America and it's Dolph Lundgren. I mean, it's it's not good. It's not well, good. I mean, I guess X Men would count as in the uh, the modern superhero. When was I mean, X Men though? Two thousand one, I think. Yeah, yeah. No, we're, we're, I'm not. I'm talking about before that. I'm talking about during the Burton verse and all that stuff that's going on. Yeah. Then you have this this period here where X Men comes along and Blade actually comes along. Blade and X-Men come along and revitalize, I think, the the superhero big budget movie landscape. Yep. Pave the way for Spider-Man. Pave the way for Spider-Man, which is paving the way 
for some of these other things here. You know, and Batman Begins is is saying, "Hey, wait a minute, X Men. They got they got some money there. It's good stuff." You know, and, and Batman Begins then is the new era for DC, but is DC playing catch up? Yeah, mm-hmm. it's definitely DC playing catch up. Again. And so in this. <laughs> Era between <laughs> Steel and Catwoman, this is where you have Marvel jumping in and saying, okay, we can get some stuff in here. We can get some good stuff going. And and Superman Returns is them stealing from the X-Men, the director, you know, getting, getting Brian Singer. Yep. And playing catch-up, but playing catch-up with Batman Begins, like that's, again, that's one of the greatest... Uh, superhero movies you know not the greatest but it's up there it's up there and christian bale doesn't embody batman in the same way that i feel like some other people may have but his bruce wayne was great yep Mm -hmm. his bruce wayne was, was great so okay now we have the nolan trilogy we have no superman returns again though yeah, it was planned, but he's uh, done. But failed. Yeah, he's done. Uh, we have Watchmen, and we have which we'll talk about later. Yeah, yeah, because that's a Snyder thing, and so we're we're not going to talk about Snyder too much here. Um, we have Jonah Hex, and we have Green Lantern. <laughs> <laughs> so not everything is a hit. There's some misses no, it, in there. And wasn't Green Lantern that was the planned launch for the new DC? conjoined universe playing catch up to Marvel's MCU, but then yeah. it was just awful. <laughs> yeah. And they had planned to actually have a Superman cameo because when the ring was seeking out the, the person who was worthy of the ring, it was going to pass through the offices of the daily planet and pass by Clark Kent. Nice. And, and I'm not sure if it would have deemed him unworthy or if it would have decided he doesn't need the ring because he already has power. And so it's going to go to someone else. But mm. yeah, this would have been the beginning of, first of all, Green Lantern movies. And we would have gotten, you know, maybe the space police movie that we never know I we mean, wanted. Green but, Lantern, it has the potential to be the next Star Wars. How do you mess that up? By by making this movie. Yeah. Yeah. It's not the worst superhero movie ever. I'll give it that, but it's also one that I did not want to go back to. Yeah. Um, it, it, it was, it was okay. It got the, you know, the mythos of the green lantern. It, yeah. There's so much good about green lantern as a concept. And yet this movie just wasn't able to do it well enough for the public to really embrace it. And there's a lot of reasons for that potentially. Um, but part of it for me is that this movie just felt like it was more of the same. And instead of really trying to embrace what's different about Green Lantern, it was an origin story that, you know, and if I remember correctly, the villain was Parallax, but it wasn't even really a villain. It was just uh, kind of a concept, right? Yes. Well, the for some reason, they decided to make the villain that the big head guy. I can't remember his name. Yes. Yeah. Because nobody cares about him. Yeah. <laughs> but similar so. to uh, similar to uh, Rise of the Silver Surfer with Fantastic Four, where Galactus is coming and it's just a big cloud. 
Yeah. You know, and and <laughs> and you're just looking for anything and then you realize, oh, the shadow of the cloud kind of looks like his helmet. Yep. <laughs> for a brief second. Yep. <clears throat> and and this really it I think it needed a villain that had a better face. There was a human involved. Like but, Sinestro. But they were setting up <laughs> Sinestro as someone you trusted who could be a villain at the Anyway, this was meant to be the beginning of something good and something big. Um, this was meant to be their Iron Man. And yeah, yeah budget 200 million, box office 219. Um, so it, it wasn't their Iron Man. But The Dark Knight Rises was the year after that. And now you have a line between. Uh, all of that stuff we just talked about. There's three eras that I kind of think of things. You have the 90s down to the 70s. That's one era. And then you have um, the Nolan era, which includes Watchmen, Jonah Hex, which we aren't talking about. Why not? Did, did you not like this movie? Evan? Jonah Hex? Yeah. I never saw this. What? <laughs> you didn't see the Western like this is, I I'm, gl- I'm really glad I, I threw down that 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 information at the beginning there that you hated westerns because uh, yeah yeah this, this this is Chekhov's western it's Chekhov's thing. western reference that, <laughs> um, <laughs> this movie Evan uh, to make it fit the runtime for a theatrical release uh, they stretched out the credits a little bit so it's ten minutes of credits. <laughs> it's 10 minutes of credits in uh, an 81 is it minute Josh movie. Rowland? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I think the, the two main reasons I didn't see this was, uh, Western thing and the, uh, and Megan Fox. How about because also that time, it's not like, good. Oh. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. Will Arnett's in this movie, man. <clears throat> I mean, we, I can't base my theater going decisions in that time of my life, uh, based on if it was good or not, because I was seeing other stuff that wasn't great, like, like Ghost Rider, but you would have been buying a theatrical ticket to see a 70 minute movie with 10 minutes of Mm -hmm. credits. Like there's over an hour, but only barely over an hour of story in this wow. thing. And it's not an animated movie. You know, it, yeah. Budget, 47 million. Box office, <laughs> 11. <laughs> uh. <laughs> and I kind of like it. <laughs> I'm just going to say it. I, I, I like this movie. Of course. So it's okay. not good. I admit to that, but I do like it. Um, so the end of the era was Dark Knight Rises. That is when we move on into the actual copying of the MCU, the actual trying to replicate and catch lightning in a bottle where they bring Zack Snyder in, do the Man of Steel. We're not going to talk about it right now. We will, but let's talk about Nolan's Batman very quickly. The Dark Knight, one of top five superhero movies ever made. I just, it's really, really well made. It's a very well made movie. Um, Christopher Nolan isn't a director. We've talked about this on the strangers and aliens tenant episode 
where we both really didn't like Tenet, but uh, up until Tenet, almost every single one of his movies is one that I would, I love to be able to revisit a couple years later and just examine it. Uh, and yep. you know, it's, it's so meticulously well-made and well-shot and thought through and especially the Dark Knight. Dark Knight Rises, um, once you get yourself past, again, you have to say, say to yourself, this is different. It's not the Batman I'm expecting. Um, it really isn't the Batman you were expecting. You, you know, this is not a Batman who has had lots of adventures and had this long career. This is a Batman who is now a shut-in. <laughs> and yeah, he quit. <laughs> uh, yeah, he's and and so you you got to say to yourself, like an Elseworlds or a What If, this is a different take on the character doing different things, but still well made. Um, some interesting cinematic choices like Bane's voice, but well, and probably part of part of that choice was because of Heath Ledger not being able to uh, continue on as the Joker, so they had to come up with something else to do. Maybe like the time jump. Yeah, I don't know. I I don't know. I mean, the the good thing was at the end of the Dark Knight, Heath Ledger was caught. You know, like that that actually yeah. was wrapped up. They didn't end it on a cliffhanger. Although it was literally a, he's hanging. Um, yes, but it wasn't left on a cliffhanger of, uh, the Joker is out there and he has another plan and we're just going to find out the beginning of the plan. Um, the, the story itself was, was wrapped up and they could move on into a sequel. Um, yeah, the whole Heath Ledger thing, yeah, I don't like to think about it because <laughs> it's sad. Yeah. It, it's really, really sad. But um, mm -hmm. anyway, yeah, with the Dark Knight Rises, um, decent wrap up to the trilogy. And yeah, but Christopher Nolan is gone. And we are moving into 2013, Man of Steel. And I don't know, is is that what we're talking about next? In the next episode, uh, I think next we're gonna we're gonna recap all of Zack Snyder's movies leading up to mm, Man of Steel. Yeah, yeah. so Watchmen, we'll Sucker Punch, um, what's Legend the, of the Guardians, Legend of the Guardians. I love that one. I've not uh, seen 300. that. I'm gonna have to watch that. Yeah, 300, yeah, mm. yeah, but not the sequel. 301. <laughs> which mm, 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 <laughs> missed opportunity there, gentlemen. <laughs> all right well that's what's to come that is and and then we'll be going movie by movie so each one of these uh movies will be getting their own episode we'll possibly also have some topical episodes that we'll throw in as we're going along um especially if there's like a new trailer or something like that um and and there'll be conversation about how this is being presented it's streaming it's streaming as episodes it's not um theatrical release and it's not uh, streaming as a one single unit. And so I am curious what they'll be doing about that. If this is something where Snyder is going to really sit down and think through, okay, I've got four episodes. Let's make them into episodes uh, or, or what that's going to be. I'm, I'm very curious um, how that's all going to work out. But Yeah. Yeah. I feel like we need some sort of uh, sign off or something, but I, I just don't know. I mean, I think I'm going to have to stick Unite with my the seven. 
<laughs> Whatever that means. I'm going <laughs> to... We'll find out what it meant. I guess so. I mean, that's the whole point of this is they presented it and said, hey, this is Unite the Seven. And so we are now going to find out why were they saying that? What's the actual reason for them saying that? Uh, But I'm going to say my usual goodbye, which is thanks for listening and Godspeed to you all. And let us know what you think. Listen to our credits here because we recorded this episode before we had some of these details uh, plotted out. But um, yeah, let us know what you think about what we've talked about. Let us know what you think about what's to come. Uh, You will know the basic outline of our episodes to come because we're going to be taking these movies in theatrical order. So Man of Steel, Batman v Superman, Suicide Squad, Wonder Woman, Justice League, Aquaman, Shazam, Birds of Prey. We might even do something about Joker. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> Wonder Woman 1984 is going to be in there at some point. Yeah. If it ever gets released in uh, theaters. Yeah, they they moved it back to Christmas as of they this have. recording. Yep. That was a surprise. Bummer. Yeah. But we'll be doing a road trip episode for that. Uh, for our On Strangers, Strangers and, Aliens. and Aliens podcast, which yes. is where Evan and I hop in a car, drive to the movie, talk about what we're going to go see. And then jump in the car after the movie and talk about what we just saw. And so that'll be happening with Wonder Woman for sure. But um, yeah, wow, Christmas. I didn't realize that. But you basically know what's coming. And so as we are moving forward, you can send us your, your feedback and thoughts about these different movies. And tell us where we're crazy. And <laughs> tell it us. It certainly won't be about Superman 3. <laughs> Again, you know, I liked Jonah Hex, but then again, I'm a <laughs> big Western fan and I also didn't pay ticket prices for it. I believe I rented it on Amazon or somehow watched it for free on some service. I'm not sure. but Whereas I paid $100 for the giant Superman box set tin Ooh. from Best Buy. I... <laughs> Oh man. 14 discs. <laughs> I like got that. it on Amazon for half that. Yeah. Week of release. Yes, well, I, <laughs> I, I was young. I had a job and wow. no bills. <laughs> so. Wow. But then I had to return one of the discs. Did you do that? No. One of the discs was defective. And my, all my discs work as, as far as I know. Yeah, it was. It's one of the extras discs, I think, and hmm. I didn't check it. I just I found out about it, and they said just contact Warner Brothers. They'll give you this label, and then they'll send you the disc in the mail. So you had to you had to return the disc, um, and then they would send you a replacement disc. So I got that. Nice. Yeah. All right, that's it, Evan. Thanks for uh, hanging out, oh, talking yeah. about this stuff. We like to talk about this stuff, so that's good. Uh, let's turn over the credits. Bye. Godspeed, everyone. You've been listening to the Strangers and Aliens podcast, hosted by Ben Avery, Evan David, Steve McDonald, and Dr. Jason Neal. Our music was composed and mixed by Tim Leffel. 
We'd love for you to join the conversation by going to our website at strangersandaliens.com where you'll find show notes, articles, reviews, and more. You can also email us directly at podcast at strangersandaliens.com. Or you can join our social media conversations by following us on Twitter, where we are at Strange and Alien, or liking us on Facebook at facebook.com slash strangersandaliens. Or leave us a voicemail by calling the Strangers and Aliens hotline. That number is 1-804-37-ALIEN. And once again, thanks for listening. It stinks.